Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Chapter, John chapter 11. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Now go down with me to verse 32. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, and he groaned in his spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus therefore again groaning in himself cometh to the grave, it was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. Jesus looked up at his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I know that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. When he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. He that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin, and Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. Our Father and our God, same giver of life that's brought man into the world, that restored life to Lazarus, is the same God and Savior that gives us 
eternal life, and we thank you for it. We thank you for this congregation of your people who come to worship and praise your name. Lord, may the power of your spirit that has been evidenced already in this service now reach out into every one of our hearts and cause us to be drawn to you. Those who are not saved to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and those of us who are saved to a higher plane of living as our lives are brought in tune with your will. Whatever the needs are this morning, may your spirit be around us to woo us and to convict us where we have need. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. There are several names throughout the New Testament that are given to the Lord. He is called the Word that was made flesh. He's called the Lamb of God. He's called the Great I Am, the Bread of Life, the Light of the World. He's called the Good Shepherd. But in the 25th verse, Jesus gives himself a title. In answer to Martha's statement, when Martha said unto him in verse 24, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection the last day, and Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. I can think of no more direct words in all of the scripture about salvation than this. That a person who believes and lives in Jesus Christ is alive forevermore. Before the message is over, I have planned to say, if I don't forget when I get there, well, let me begin with it. The opposite is also true that he who does not believe in Jesus Christ is already dead. Even though his body is alive, he's already dead. Over in the 20th chapter of John, you don't need to turn over there, but in the 31st verse, John makes a very potent statement in referring to all the things that he had written that Jesus had done, the miracles that he had performed, and his teaching and so on, says this about his writing down of these things. He said, these are written that ye may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing ye may have life 
in his name. These things that Jesus had done, John wrote for a purpose. And the purpose was that we would believe that Jesus is indeed the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that by believing, he goes on to say, that we might have life, that we might live. I can think of no more important words to ever be spoken than those to any person. Why are we here this morning? I think for two reasons. Number one, those of us who believe is to raise us a little higher in our living. Secondly, those who have not yet believed to make it possible that you would be convicted in your soul of your desire, your need to be alive and would receive Christ as your Savior in order to be alive. The very essence of the gospel and the purpose of Christ is contained within the story of the raising of Lazarus. The very reason that Jesus came is contained in this particular story. During Jesus' ministry upon earth, there were many people who confessed him. But more people rejected him. A very like situation as we have in today's world, there are a few people who have received Jesus Christ. The majority of the population of the world have rejected him. And if there is anybody who needs to look at the story of the raising of Lazarus, it is those who have rejected the person Jesus Christ. The very name, Lazarus, means God helps. I want you to listen to this now. Listen to my reasoning here about the name Lazarus, which means God helps. You know, in the Old Testament, even in the New Testament days, they named people that had some meaning to it. They didn't go to a book of names and pick out something that sounded pretty, like we do today. I don't know how you named your kids, but a lot of people go, will, will buy a book of names, go down until they find a name they like, which is fine. Some people are named because of some people in their family background, but they want to remember and honor. In the Old Testament and New Testament days, a name had a meaning. Lazarus' name meant God helps. But you know, you can almost wonder, as you began to think about the story of Lazarus, if that is true. Here Jesus is very, very close to Mary, Martha, and their brother Lazarus. He spent a lot of time in their home. He visited them. They were his friends, his buddies, his chums, someone very close to him. The day comes when Jesus is at some distant place that 
Mary and Martha send word to Jesus that their brother is sick. As a matter of fact, the way they state it is the one whom you love sick. We've all received those messages. A dreaded telephone call in the middle of the night startles us and almost always causes us to wonder what is the tragedy. Who's sick? Who just had an accident? And I tell you frankly that I'm afraid of a late night, two, three, four o'clock telephone call. And my heart rapidly beats as I lay there and wait for Cricket to answer the phone. My eyes are open and I stare into the dark, listening to her words and waiting for her to hand the phone to me. Because something has happened out of the ordinary. Lazarus is sick. When that call comes, as you have received them, the first thing we think about doing is getting up and getting dressed and go. Wherever, to the hospital, to someone's home, to get ready to do something with regard to our friend, our loved one who is sick. One could almost question God as to why Jesus did not do something immediately. Go to Lazarus. Lay his hands on him like he had done on many occasions and restore him back to health, but he didn't go. Matter of fact, he waited two days before he even made a call in fact. And then he didn't say anything about Lazarus. He went on about the things that he was doing, and by the time he got to the home of Mary and Martha, he'd already been dead for days. The funeral was over. The man was gone. And Jesus didn't do anything to help so it would appear. I know that Mary and Martha fully expected him to come. And that every day, probably nearly every hour, they would go look down the road to see if the Lord was appearing. Because they expected him to do something. How many times have you gone in prayer to the Lord and saying, and I give an incident, my loved one, my friend is sick. Why do we tell him? Because we are expecting a response. We think the thing that he ought to do is come to our home and lay his hands upon someone and they would be restored to health. 
Please, God, won't you help? There seemingly is no response. He didn't come. He didn't even send word. And the person whose name is God helps is dead. There's nothing more that man can possibly do except to take his body out to the cemetery and there put it in the tomb and roll that stone across in front of it, similar to that that was rolled across the face of the tomb of our Lord. Say our last respects, our goodbyes, and go on back home. For the Lord didn't come. But I think we're reminded of the words that he spoke, the Lord spoke to Paul. When Paul prayed that he would be relieved of the problem that he had that resulted from his experience on the road to Damascus, which I think was very, very poor eyesight. Paul could not see well from that experience on, and he begged God for relief that it would be gone from him, and God said no. But he didn't just say no. He added a phrase, and the phrase was, my grace is sufficient for you. Sometimes it's is necessary that we experience the tragedies of life for us to likewise experience the grace of God in our lives. We want an easy road to walk, an easy trail. Or as I always looked for when I was hoeing corn with my grandfather, an easy road to hoe that didn't have too many weeds in it. And we don't get it. Does that mean that God has failed us? That he's not heard our plea? That he hasn't experienced in his own life the agony of losing someone? Why would Jesus delay? Because out of this experience was to come a real demonstration of why Jesus came into the world anyway. And that was to become the victor over the tremendous enemy of death and prove it before the eyes of all of those people, the family and the friends, that here stands the person that is capable of doing anything in a person's life, including giving him back life. It was more important that the people see him as the giver of life than it was to see him as the giver of healing. 
Remember, I started off with the statement that there are many people who are dead already. And he is the giver of life to those who will receive him. Another word that we find in this particular passage is the name of the town, which is Bethany. Bethany means house of affliction. After Lazarus had been dead four days, he comes with his disciples to this house of mourning. Will Mary and Martha simply say to the Lord, you're too late. You're too late. He's already dead. The house was torn with separation of one loved one giving up another. The pain of the finality of death was quite evident. The body was cold. The body had already begun to deteriorate. And when Jesus wanted to go to the tomb and open it up, they objected because the body would be stinking. But he insisted on going out to the tomb going to the cemetery. As many of you have made that same trip on many occasions to stand and reflect upon the life of someone whom you loved, whose body now is cold and deteriorating in the earth beneath, and stand there and remember this person. And Jesus stood there, and the shortest verse in the Bible is verse 35 in this chapter when it says, Jesus wept. But an important verse, because it tells us that he is afflicted with the same concerns and heartaches that we have when we face these same things. Family, grieves, and friends stand around trying to console them. And Martha says to him as he stands there looking at that stone across the front of that tomb, behind which is the wrapped body of their, her dead brother and the very dearest friend to Jesus, Martha says to the Lord, Lord, had you been here, my brother would not have died. Had you been here. Which is a simple way of saying, Lord, you couldn't have done something. Lord, I saw you, she might have said, lay your hands on the leper. They were cleansed. I saw you anoint the eyes of the blind, and they got back their, blind, their, their sight. I saw you command a man who could not walk to get up off his bed and take up his bed and go home, and he walked out. I saw those things, Lord. Had you been here, you could have laid your hands upon Lazarus and he would have been healed. Why didn't you come? She could have said, Lord, you wouldn't even have to have come. You could have simply sent an angel. The angel could have touched my brother. 
He could have said, Lord, you didn't even need to do that. But I know you could have spoken. And whatever your word was would have been accomplished. But she doesn't stop there. She says, but I know that even now, even after four days in the grave, even now, God will give you whatever you ask for. Let me tell you, that's faith. You have that much faith? She believed that God would give to Jesus whatever he asks for. And here is the worst possible scenario that one could think of. They stand outside the tomb. Four days ago, he died. And she, standing there near her Savior, says, I know it will all be okay. Somehow. When Jesus is present, all is well. You believe that? When Jesus is present, all is well. Jesus says to them, move the stone. Can you imagine the people in the background, the friends, the mourners, all of the community have gathered, began to murmur amongst themselves, saying, what's he going to do? He said to roll that stone away. What's he going to do? And someone said, he's going to try to raise him back to life. That was what they said, trying to raise him back to life. Someone else said, you think he can do it? You think he can do it? Someone said, nah, he's been dead too long. He might have been able to brought him back and he'd been here up the moment that he died, but he's been dead too long now. He can't do that. But Martha says, I know that even now, whatever you ask God for, you'll do. And Jesus prays audibly in front of this whole crowd and he says, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. He says, and I know that even now you hear me. You hear me always. He goes on to say in verse 32, but it's because of these people that they might believe that I'm praying now. So that they can believe what? That you sent me. That's what he was after. It gave him the tremendous opportunity to witness to his reason for coming. Was to give life back to the dead. Stands here before a dead tomb. And he speaks simple words. He shouts them out. The scripture says that he cried with a loud voice. And his cry was, Lazarus, come forth! 
the amazement of the people stood around there. They could see the body inside the tomb raised up. Stood up and came to the front of the tomb and stood in the doorway. He was bound with the grave clothes around him and it wrapped around and around. And he says to the people, take those things off him and let him go. He was alive at the command of Jesus Christ. A person dead four days was alive. What does this story tell us? The scripture says that the wages of sin is death. But life is a gift of God. Sin will kill you. God will give you life. Sin will condemn a person to hell. God will give him life. How dead are you? If you're dead this morning. There's a little thing that we have in our office, like some of those things that go around offices. It's somewhat funny, but I want to use it in a serious context this morning which says it's been reported that people in the office are dying but failing to fall down. Have you seen any of those? We have one in our office. And it goes on to say from henceforth, anybody who dies on the job must fall down so we know that you're dead. There are lots of people in this world who are standing, who are walking, who are talking, who are going about daily functions, who are dead and haven't yet fallen over. But they're still dead. Still dead. Because there is no salvation in their heart and soul. Because that comes from God. Life comes from God. And that person hasn't been willing to live yet. To receive salvation, to receive eternal life, it comes from only one place. The giver of life must give it. And that's Jesus Christ. That's the reason he came. He said, I am come that you might have life, and that you might have it more abundantly. What did Jesus do when he died on the cross? Did he simply go into extinction? No, indeed. He said, I lay down my life and I take it again. He never died. His body died. His soul was there. And lived on. Jesus proclaims through his own death and through the raising of Lazarus that he has condemned death to death. And you hear those words, he has condemned death, that it no longer will have power over us. Now listen, we all physically will die. 
We're going to die physically because we were born in sin and the wages of sin is death. That's true. But he has been willing to make us eternally alive by giving us something that can only come from God. That's eternal life. When a person is born, he begins a journey toward what we often refer to as the sunset. We begin to die as soon as we're born. But listen, when we are born again, we are not walking toward the sunset. We're walking toward the sunrise. It's always morning in the life of a saved person. It never becomes evening. It never turns dark in the life of the saved. Jesus said to Martha, Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Never die. We're going to say goodbye to each other physically as our bodies deteriorate and our soul departs from this body. Some will leave late in life. Some will leave early. We all will go that route. But the person who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ is alive forevermore. And the person who does not have the person of Christ in his heart is already dead. He just hasn't fallen over yet. Are you alive or dead this morning? The raising of Lazarus gives us a real demonstration of the power of God to take those who are dead and put life in them. If you've never received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Scripture says you're dead. But you can have life. You can be born again. You can have a new beginning. A new birth that will start you out as a baby in Jesus Christ and you will then be walking always toward sunrise, never toward sunset. And the Lord Jesus stands at the tombs of the world and weeps because he sees the tremendous power that Satan has over man. And he came to liberate man from Satan and give him life. And you can have it this morning if you don't have it by being willing to give yourself into the hands of Jesus Christ. Let him say over you the words that he said over Lazarus. Come forth and you will be born again. Let us pray. 
Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.